What very unusual thing did the Apollo 11 astronauts do after returning to Earth from the moon? And why do we carve pumpkins for Halloween? That's a good question. Isn't it, though? I think so. <laughs> Answers to those and other good questions coming up in this episode of The Off Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and have some fun with trivia. Okay, Marsh, when the Apollo astronauts came back from the moon, the first set of astronauts, what was one of the first things they had to do? I've never heard this until recently. Go to the bathroom? No. They had to go through customs. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? That is so stupid. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, when they made it to Hawaii after splashdown, they went through customs. It's true. There's a general declaration document on file with the U.S. government dated July 24, 1969. It declares the Apollo 11 crew departing from moon, not the moon, but moon, and uh, arriving in Honolulu, Hawaii. Now, <laughs> It's a real document. It's signed by all of them, and NASA has confirmed it was true. It may have been done as a joke, but yeah. it was signed by a customs official. Yeah. Now, you come in from another country. What do they ask you? What are you bringing home, right? Yeah, what are you bringing back? They said moon rocks. Sir. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Moon rock. Was it duty-free? Moon rock and moon dust samples. That's cute. Which they picked up at the moon airport. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Other yeah. way out. The duty-free airport. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You can find that on the web. It was uh, posted uh, in 2009. It's the first time it actually showed up on the web. And it was uh, to celebrate the mission's 40th anniversary. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection website posted it. So that's what they did. The first astronauts come back from... from and it's funny because it was two days after they landed because they landed 900 miles from Hawaii. So the USS Hornet had to travel two days to get to Hawaii. And then they get there and, okay, fellas, going through customs, first thing. That's funny. Good old jack-o'-lanterns. You see them everywhere right now. Mm -hmm. But why, Bob? Why do we have carved pumpkins for Halloween? Well, isn't that the old thing of ward away evil spirits? Wasn't that the idea originally? Because it was all saints, hallowed saints eve. Isn't oh, that the, very good, the custom? Bob. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's true, but it's not directly true because uh, it's all because of an Irish myth about a guy named Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. <laughs> yeah. He tricked the devil for monetary gain. But when Jack died, God didn't allow him into heaven, and the devil didn't want him either. So Jack was sentenced to roam the earth for eternity. And his wandering soul frightened the Irish people, and they started to carve demented faces out of turnips to frighten his soul away, to keep him away from their houses. So it was kind of what I said. Then. Yeah. It, it, you it, can it, say, it, Bob, you were right. It. it, it yeah, it You, yeah. di you didn't say that, Marcia. Yes. Well, so... I know you have a hard time saying that, but... <laughs> True. So when the Irish immigrated to the U.S., mm -hmm. there were lots of uh, native pumpkins around, and that seemed to be more conducive to funny faces than the little bitty turnips. So they started carving weird faces on them, and they became jack-o'-lanterns. And the folklore about Stingy Jack was quickly incorporated into Halloween, and the rest is spooky history. I had no idea the Irish started that. Yeah, for so, Jack, 
Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. That's funny. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, we oftentimes explore expressions, like jack-o'-lantern is an expression. But here's an expression. I want to ask you where this came from. Quick as a flash. Where did that come from, and how quick is a flash? Pretty darn quick. I'll say uh, from the uh, sulfur and match uh, being uh, ignited. And it happened very fast, so they said it's quick as a flash. Actually, it's uh, from a technology similar to that. So you're saying I'm right? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) You are so far from right. (laughs) Quick as a flash. The expression originated in the early 1900s with the photographer's flash bulb. Oh, okay. So uh, the total duration of the light produced by the flash, how long do you think that is? The total duration of light produced by a flash. Uh, it, it, you know, a millisecond. It's one four thousandth. So now, I was right. No. <laughs> Again, no. One four thousandth of a second. Okay, that's the total duration. Now, the photographically useful portion of light only lasts how long? Less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, less. Okay, so that four one thousandths of a second is like an eternity. So what is the portion the photographically useful portion of light. How long does that last? Less. Yeah, I know it's less. <laughs> I, I don't know. Bob. One one thousandth of a second. Yeah. So that's how quick a flash is. Quick as a flash, one one thousandth of a second. You have the answer to the question you were wondering your whole life, Marcia. Is, is that a millisecond? Isn't it? Yeah. That's what I said in the beginning. Okay. Just, just saying. Never mind. Okay. Our, Forget it. And speaking of the election. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, we're not talking about the election. Oh, yes, we are. Okay. Not this one. But where in the world do you vote by dropping marbles into a metal drum? <laughs> where do you vote by dropping marbles? It sounds like like a tribal thing to to uh, choose a chieftain or something. It does, doesn't it? Is that the answer? Well, in Gambia, you know where Gambia is? Mm-hmm, in Africa. Okay. Uh, they have a literacy issue. So citizens there cast votes by dropping marbles into metal drums adorned with pictures of the candidates. Oh, okay. So they're actually voting for people they want to represent them. Each drum has a bell inside that rings after a marble is dropped. And if the, (laughs) I love this, and that eliminates voter fraud right there. If the bell rings more than once, someone tried to cast multiple votes. Oh, we need that kind of a thing. (laughs) The drum system is tedious. And starting next year, according to Reader's Digest, uh, Gambanians will vote on paper ballots. Paper ballots. Next year. But this year, they're still voting by marbles. Marbles and drums. Yeah, and a bell. Okay, here's one. What product do you use today that was originally designed for gas masks? <laughs> this is a product you have in your home. Most people have it in their home. But it was originally designed for gas masks. Uh, uh, what product? It doesn't make any sense to me. You mean you use them with masks? Listen to the question, Marcia. <laughs> what product that you use today was originally designed for gas masks. I don't know. Was it moisturizer so it didn't chafe your skin when you put it on? That's a good suggestion, like a salve or something yes. like that. Very good. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong, Marsh. No. Kleenex tissues. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a cotton shortage during World War One, and the Army needed some kind of cotton-like material for filters to go into gas masks. 
So the uh, Kimberly Clark uh, Labs began developing this thin, flat cotton substitute, but the war ended before the scientists could perfect it. So they redesigned it to be smoother, softer, and marketed that cotton substitute as Kleenex facial tissues. Well, I'll be danged. How about that? So <laughs> in some form or another, most houses have some kind of facial tissues. Uh-huh. But they were originally designed for gas masks for World War One. Good to know. Put them to better use, I think. <laughs> and going back to bathroom trivia, how many, <laughs> how many hours per year do you think we spend brushing our teeth? Oh, how many hours do we spend brushing our teeth per year? year. In a single year. Okay, let me think. Now, that usually only takes a few minutes for most people, and they probably do it twice a day at most. Probably should do it three times. So that's probably 10 minutes, I don't know, per day. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Good math, Bob. (laughs) Good head math. Okay. According to the American Dental Association, you should spend two minutes brushing your teeth each visit, which is equivalent to 24 hours of brushing every year, about twice a day. Wow, so a whole day. You essentially yeah. spend one whole day, 24 hours, yeah. brushing, brushing your, your teeth. teeth. Day and night, a whole day and night. So anyway, hard to think that you do it that much. It's hard to think of the number when you do it in terms of <laughs> two-minute increments. So. Yeah, it is. Okay, here's one. Now, men and women wear jeans, but the original jeans had four pockets, but only one of them was in the back. Where were the other three? In the front. Okay. Well, there was, uh, unless you have those hammer pockets, which are always attractive. No, no, no. The, uh, you got, uh, uh, yeah, you got the two front regular pockets, the slit, and then that little key pocket. What was that little one for? Uh, well. What was it designed for? It was designed for, was it for your tobacco or your lighter or? Pocket watches. Pocket watches, It was originally designed for a pocket watch. I used to think it was just for coins. You know, that's what I used as a kid. Oh, did you? You could get your pennies and go get your gum or whatever at the store easily by going in that little pocket. But that little pocket in jeans originally was designed for a pocket watch. So a different place, a different time. Okay. Well, going back, Bob, to dental hygiene. Hygiene. <laughs> Remember hygiene? Hygiene. <laughs> oh, you mean hygiene. That's it. Hygiene. Remember Jean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who developed the first toothbrushes and when? Now, I read it was the Chinese that developed and it was like wild boar bristles or something like that. Well, aren't you mixed smarty pants? Is, it, is that true? <laughs> Maybe. The, is it true? Yeah. They first emerged during the Tang Dynasty. Wow. That was the breakfast drink they invented. I remember that. Did they invent that breakfast (laughs) drink? Okay. Goes way back. Well, when was the Tang Dynasty? It lasted from 619 to 907 AD. They had bamboo or bone handle sticks that were embedded with pig's bristles, like, like you said. And before that, before they invented the pig bristles on a bamboo stick, they chewed on various sticks and branches to get, uh, I don't know, sushi seaweed out of their teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, the Chinese invented so many things. They did. Well, Fascinating. All right. You've heard the expression, how deep is the ocean? Yes. How deep is it? Uh, The deepest or the average? Both. God. All right. Then just do the deepest. I don't know. Is the deepest like... 15 miles deep? No, it's it's actually about seven miles deep. The Marianas Trench in the Western Pacific, it's 86,500 feet deep. Uh, so I was twice 
wrong. Yes, twice. About, about twice. Now, the wrong. average is just under two and a half miles. The average depth is 12,700 okay. feet. But that's how deep the ocean is. Scary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as you no doubt know, Bob, July 29th is National Lipstick Day. Oh, yes, it's on my <laughs> calendar. No, no, I didn't know there was a national lipstick There's day. There's a national everything. There is a national everything. Yes. Who started the lipstick fad and when? Well, I'm sure that goes back to ancient times. There's probably pictures of Egyptians with lipstick, and I imagine it's prior to, I'd say it's around three or 4,000 B.C., but I would give it to the Chinese. Again, let's give it to the Chinese. <laughs> they invented lipstick. Okay. The Chinese invented lipstick in 3,024 B.C. <laughs> well, you're pretty good with the B.C.E. 3,000 B.C.E., the Mesopotamian women came up with it. And check this out. Archaeologists discovered artifacts depicting women applying a painted paste made of beeswax, with ground-up, semi-precious gemstones in it. And that's how they got their colors. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they took gemstones and ground them up, put them in the beeswax, and then applied it to their lips and cheeks. I can see the beeswax, but that stuff sounds dangerous, doesn't it? (laughs) I guess they had a lot of gemstones over there in Mesopotamia. Wow, so that's the Fertile Crescent. That's around Iraq, Iran, that whole area there, Mesopotamia. Yeah. Wow, that's where it came from. Uh Hmm. Okay. I've got questions on something... Not many of us have been doing lately, flying. Yeah. Because our, sure. my wings are very tired. I don't know about <laughs> yours, but so uh, how many parts are in the largest planes? And by that I mean Boeing 747s. 3,264. Wow. You only have half the amount. Really? It's <laughs> six million parts go into a Boeing 747. Yeah. Six million parts. That would be one tough Lego model if it was done accurately, (laughs) wouldn't it? (laughs) Golly, okay. What else you got? Okay, I got another one here. Here's a rule. Airline pilots must eat different meals. Why? Then everybody else, in case if it's tainted, that... uh, That's that's the reason. But it's like if there's two pilots, pilot, co-pilot, they each different meals. Uh, Yeah, I would think. And that's the reason, just in case one of them gets sick from the meal. Yeah. That stems back to a 1982 incident when... Passengers and crew aboard a flight from Boston to London became sick after eating the same tapioca pudding, your favorite, and the flight had to turn around. Wow. So today, it's the rule. The pilot and the co-pilots eat different meals just in case. Absolutely. That makes good sense to me. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay, one more statistic of a plane. Okay, quick. So we told you six million parts in a Boeing 747. When you look out of your plane and you see that engine hanging from the wing... How much do those jet engines weigh, Marsh? Well, it's more than me, which makes me happy. <laughs> Again, I'll, I'm talking a 747. Okay, I'll say, God, this is just so random, Bob. I can't you be well because more this is something to think about when you're there and you're looking at that wing and you're going, gee, how much does that? I, I wing don't know. Twelve hundred pounds. How much is that? Twelve hundred pounds. How much is that jet engine weigh? No. 9,500 pounds. That's just one. And how many engines they have? Well, they probably have four at least. They weigh four tons, more than four tons a piece. And they're precision instruments. If you wanted to buy one, an engine, how much would it cost you? Well, we could use one for the uh, dehumidifier in the base. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. What would it cost? One jet engine costs $8 million. Wow. Wow. That's that's pretty expensive. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's just say how expensive it is to build a plane. Well, it can be delivered if you do it via Amazon. That's though. true. Well, it'll be here. <laughs> Hello, I'm from UPS, and I'm here. <laughs> if you'd like to come out, I've got your jet engine in the back. 
<laughs> All right. You're listening uh, to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back with The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Marsha, I have a question for you on a famous store. I thought it was my turn okay. after your fascinating three questions. airplane questions, and now you want to keep stepping on my Now let's talk here. about a convenience store, Marsh. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. What do you have? All right. So uh, we live in what continent, Bob? North America. Very good. So how many countries are there in North America? Well, there's always been a little bit of a controversy over that. I'll say three. Three? Three. You're only off by 20. It's 23, Bob. We are the third largest continent on the planet, 9 million square miles. And uh, would you like to know what countries are in North America? Well, sure. Pray tell. I thought it was just Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. Yeah, well, that's small thinking, Bob. Small thinking indeed. (laughs) These are all, there are 23 countries, and they are Antigua, Barbuda, Bahamas, Barbados, Belize, Canada, Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominica, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Grenada, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, Nicaragua, Panama, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, Grenadines, Trinidad and Tobago, and the United States of America. I guess I didn't think of those as being in North America. I know, we don't. That's the interesting part. So That's you, unfair. I know. I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> well, there's the, Mexico, Canada, and yeah. yeah. But what about all those other countries? They're Hello? islands, but they're, well, okay. Well, they're not all islands. Nicaragua? Well, Nicaragua. But see, Nicaragua, I never consider that in North America. That's in the Americas. Yeah. But, the, the, and usually the cutoff is at the end of Mexico. Yeah, but it's not. But I didn't think about all the islands, so score one for you there. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Bob. What convenience store chain was once called Totem Stores, but management renamed them when they changed something? (laughs) First, what do you think is Totem Stores? Do you have any ideas what that might be? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Is this a grocery store? Well, it's a place you can buy some groceries, yeah. All right, go ahead. Tell me. Okay, management renamed the stores when they changed their hours. That's my oh, to uh, 7-Eleven? 7-Eleven. And it began as a chain of ice stores in Texas, and that's all they sold until one employee began selling food out of one of its locations. And that got so popular, food products were added to all the ice stores, and the customers started calling them totem stores. Oh, okay. Be- the way they yeah. toted their purchases oh, out the door. Kinda, yeah. And that name stuck until 1946 when management changed the store hours from... 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. and renamed the chain 7-Eleven. Well, that was clever marketing and branding, I think. Yes, it was. Okay. Okay. The Bible and Shakespeare are the only books that have outsold the books of this author. Who is it, Bob? Oh. Shakespeare. Oh, wait a minute. Shakespeare and the Bible. Okay, so it's not Shakespeare. It's number one and number two. Help me. Is it a contemporary author? Somebody who's alive now? No. Is it somebody who's been alive in the last two centuries? Yes. Mark Twain? No. Okay. Good guess, though. Oh, okay. It's not humiliating like the countries. Shut up. <laughs> Come on. It's Agatha Christie. No kidding. So far, and still counting, two billion books this woman has sold. Her top three, which were all from the 1930s, are Murder on the Orient Express, The ABC Murders, and, and Then There Were None. 
So she has sold more Two books billion. except for Shakespeare and, and the, the Bible. Bible yeah. Isn't that, that is amazing. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. What an interesting legacy. Agatha Christie. Okay, question. History. What ex-U.S. president nearly died from a leg infection while on an exploration mission and his son nearly died on the trip too? Was that Teddy? Teddy Roosevelt. That's right. What He's, country was it in? What country was it in? Um, Brazil. Okay. He and his son went down to Brazil. What was his son's name? Name of a frog you like. Kermit? Kermit. Kermit. Kermit Roosevelt. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> no, yeah. I can't. That's yeah, pretty yeah. weird. His son went along for the trip. Uh, so was the Brazilian Indian Affairs head and naturalist George Cherry. They, they, uh, the men plus a part of the Army personnel and natives paddled and mapped 625 miles of the Rio Duvido in canoes. That river means river of doubt. There's a book about that called oh, the River really? of Doubt. Yeah. Huh. So it was aptly named because during the trip they were attacked by insects, hostile Indians. Hostile Indians killed their dog and nearly killed the men too. So Teddy and his son came in for danger and uh, Kermit Roosevelt nearly died in a canoe accident that killed one of the natives. Teddy himself almost died because of a leg infection. That Was, was that uh, before he was president? No, that was after 1914. Oh, yeah. He was an adventurous one. He right? was. Totally. End. Quite interesting guy. Yeah. Okay, Bob, we just had our third and thankfully our last presidential debate. As amusing and interesting as they were, they didn't, comp- <laughs> <laughs> they didn't compete with the 1980 debate in the House of Commons featuring British Social Security Minister Reginald Prentice. What did he do during his debate that sets him apart from everybody else? He set himself on fire. How did you know that? No, no, I, didn't. I don't know what he did. What he did. did. He? he really did? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy actually set himself on fire? Well, not intentionally. Oh, my goodness. While making his speech, he was fidgeting with a book of matches in his pocket because he was nervous. And they ignited. And while he was debating, the smoke started to pour out of the inside of his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine everybody looking at him? And he and some colleagues got this jacket off and extinguished the small fire. He escaped with just a burned finger. But Well, I'm sorry about that. And you guessed that. it. That's I know. amazing. I can't believe that. Yes. All right. All right. Can I go back to planes? I got another couple oh, of planes. Oh, Lord, you got down a Google hole. Flying has become so common. You know, most of us in the U.S. has either flown on a plane or, or personally know someone who has. But what percentage of people in the entire world, what percentage of people have been on an airplane? I'll say 18%. Only 5% of the world's population wow. has ever been on an airplane. Wow. Yeah. As, uh, as important as uh, flight has been to modern life. Yeah. Only 5% of all people. That's very interesting. So it makes you realize if you've been on a plane, you've been able to travel somewhere. You're one of the You're very the lucky. Top. Very lucky, yeah. You're part of the five percenters. Okay. (laughs) But equally as interesting, if you shave a tiger's fur off, Bob, does he still have stripes? I heard about this. There are. Of course. Well, here's the question I was going to ask you. Where did you you. hear it? I read about it. My question was what's the difference between zebras and tigers? Okay. If you shave all the hair off of a tiger, there are still stripes. That's right. But we think of a zebra with stripes, but it's only in the hair, it's not in the skin. But That's right. tigers actually have stripes on their skin. That's I didn't right. know that. A zebra, when you shave off the fur, his skin is black, all black. Oh, is that right? Yeah. But uh, with the tiger, the stripes go all the way into the skin. 
And a shaved tiger will still show the same pattern as he exhibits on the first. Well, I'm sorry. I just I just learned that no. the other day, and I well, had, that was my question for you. I had was saving it. Okay. I have other animal questions, too. Uh, <laughs> Here's well, one. I got one, too. How many eggs does an octopus lay? Is this in one... one at one time. At one time. I'll say 150,000. 150,000? No. Okay. Not that many. 62. 62? Yeah. Eggs? Yeah. No, it's 56,000 eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not 150,000. 56,000 eggs wow, at a time. Wow, that's prolific. The mother spends six months protecting the eggs. Well, the eggs she doesn't eat, that is. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you get hungry. Okay, now six when months. they are born, Marsh, when they are born, octopi, as we call them when we talk about more than one, <laughs> they are huge animals. But when they're born, how big are octopuses? Uh, tell me, Bob. They're the size of a grain of rice. What? Yeah. How can that be? Well, they're the well, size of a grain of rice when they're born. How many survive? Uh, that's probably why there's 56,000 eggs at a yeah. time, you know. And they probably are eaten by other predators, right? And I've got one more question on animals. What animals have fewer toes on their back paws than their front? Well, I'd say a cat. That's it. <laughs> Did you yes, ever uh, notice that when you had your no. cat? No. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't notice that. Their back paws only have four toes, and scientists think that the four-toe back paws help them run faster. Ha! Huh. Well, didn't know that. And you probably have something to wrap us up with. Okay. What color is hippo sweat? <laughs> <laughs> what color is... Oh, my goodness. We have planes today. We have uh, right. animals. And what color is hippo sweat? I don't know why, but I'll say blue. Well, it's red. Red. Yeah. The hippos, also known as the river horse, are one of the most dangerous animals in Africa. And they can run up to 20 miles an hour. Did you know that? No, Those, I didn't. Yeah. When they come ashore to bask in the sun, mm -hmm. they appear to be sweating blood. Scientists have deduced that the secretions really aren't sweat, but a protective substance given off by their glands. It starts out clear, but quickly turns kind of bloody red, protecting their sensitive bodies from the sun. Sensitive? I never thought of hippopotamus <laughs> as having sensitive it's a, bodies. It's a self-producing sunscreen. Wow. They spend hardly any time on land, but they got their own sunscreen. Okay, this is a related question. <laughs> <laughs> That's not related at all. Another animal question, Mark. Is it really? Yeah, a final oh. animal question okay. from me. What unusual thing do turkeys do when they're scared? What unusual thing do uh, turkeys do when they're scared? Do they gobble? No. Do they f flap? No. What do they do? They blush. Really? Yeah. Aww. They blush when they're scared or when they're excited. When males see a female they're interested in, the pale skin on their head and neck turns bright red blue or white no kidding yeah the flap of skin over their beaks their snood also reddens i'll be darned okay. okay let's finish up here i have a quote from the actress laura dern she says some say never meet your heroes but i say if you are really blessed you get them as your parents Oh, that's a nice inspirational thought. That And that's true, isn't it? I think so. Excellent. All right. And Kenny Rogers says, you can't make old friends. You either have them or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> you can't make them old, that's for sure. We hope we've made you feel younger with our trivia today. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again next time for more trivia on The Off-Ramp. 
The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.